You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. That means my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I do hope you are well. The interview subject coming up for you is... We use this word a lot on the podcast, and I'm going to use it again. A legend. It's Bill Steer from the UK grind icons, Carcass. Now, the reason for the chat with Bill is to talk up Carcass's appearances in Australia throughout March 2020. I'll read out the dates. There's two download appearances. First is in Melbourne on the 20th. The second is in Sydney on the 21st. I don't know how they get that bloody show packed down so quickly and moved a thousand kilometres north so quickly. Anyway, must be professionals. There you go. The next show will be in Hobart on the 24th. Brisbane, we've got a show on the 25th. Adelaide, you get one on the 26th. Gosh, they're all going through Adelaide these days. People must be turning up to gigs there again. And Perth at Slayfest on March the 28th. Now, I've got to say, my own opinion on uh, Bill Steer is that if you're playing deathcore, metalcore, and you're using that new wave of British heavy metal style lead work in your guitars, you owe a debt of gratitude to this man because he's really the guy that popularised it and uh, brought it to the mainstream attention way back in the early 90s or late 80s it really was as well but anyway here he is bill steer hello mate how's things oh good how are you mate i'm plugging away yeah it's uh it's uh let me see i'm looking out my window now it's slightly overcast and i know there's a chance of rain a bit later and thank god there is but until then it's as humid as you know what (laughs) (laughs) i'm part of the world here mate we'll just have to put up with it How's the how's the conversations been going? Yeah, good. Yeah, just um, I don't know, four or five interviews, um, you know, back to back, and uh, yeah, I mean, we've been rehearsing all day, so uh, cool. yeah, we're quite excited about this trip. Oh, I bet you are. And look, you got to know by now, mate. And, and I know I think I'm right in saying this that you've lived in Australia before, mate. But Carcass are a big band here, very influential, very much loved, actually. Oh, cool. That's nice to hear. Thank you. you know, the other thing is, I don't know whether you know this, but do you know just how many bands from Sydney and Melbourne that you've influenced over the years? I feel like every time I go down there and watch a metal band, I feel like I'm watching a band that's been listening to the first three Carcass albums. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> jokes aside, you are one of the most continuously influential bands in the history of heavy metal, certainly in the last 35 years or so. I mean, you practically invented grindcore but then shifted gears so wonderfully and incorporated that, that beautiful new wave of British heavy metal sound that your guitar playing is so synonymous with, and you became superstars really through that process. So I guess I'll round out the question by saying that um, I know you're a humble bloke because I've listened to your interviews before, but do you actually realise just how influential you have been over heavy metal? To a degree, I, I guess we do. Um I don't think it's healthy to get too hung up about things like that because um, mm. for every person or you know band member you, you meet who claims you've been an influence, there's always somebody else who's not aware of your stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, metal's more diverse than it's ever been, and there are just countless subgenres. Um, but yeah, in our little corner of, of the scene, I guess yeah, we've had an impact, and that that's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, um, indeed, it is. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel? Do you? Do you, you know, I know that. There's been hiccups over the years insofar as you've had, there's been breaks in, when there's been releases and the like, but you must feel a great sense of satisfaction when you look back over the career and all that you've managed to accomplish. Yeah, you start to make peace with certain things that bothered you from the past. You know, if there's enough distance, 
it's kind of it uh, a thing that used to bother you becomes kind of harmless so that's that's one of the good things about getting older i guess yeah i agree 100 percent with that actually don't sweat the small stuff yeah i mean i remember with each one of those records from that initial run of of albums that we did you know from the late 80s through to the mid 90s with each record that there were elements that we weren't particularly happy with um and you know, sometimes you'd get quite bent out of shape about that stuff, but uh, you can't really feel that way now. You know, um, you just kind of look fo- you kind of look fondly on all of them, I guess, mm. after after a period of time. Yeah, that's that's fantastic because look, a lot has been written about one of your albums, which is Heartwork from 1996. Now, I remember getting it at the time and thinking it was fantastic, and I think I picked it up at around about the same time that I got Weezer's Pinkerton, very different genre of music, of course, but. Uh, an album that was similarly very misunderstood. Uh, you know, critics and fans didn't really understand it when it was released, but I know for a fact it's since gone on to become very popular and it's indeed become a music, musical touchstone. So, you know, when, when you're writing an album like that, which really wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't that different from the rest of your stuff, it's just fans and some critics got themselves over a bother. You just added a few extra elements and, and made it a bit, just a little bit more listenable and a little bit more accessible. But, you know, I, I understand what you've, uh, your, your point you made earlier there, but do you feel vindicated with that album all these years later that it has been become a bit of a fan favorite i guess so um i mean i think uh i wouldn't want to use the word controversial because that's maybe too strong mm. but uh if you're looking at uh say heart work which i think is album number four and that's from around yeah 93 and then the next one the album that became swan song which we did a in 95 and then i think that actually surfaced after we broke up in 96 mm-hmm. i'd say those are the two albums that that get uh the most hotly debated yeah um obviously heart work is the most uh lauded i suppose i guess it sold the best out of all of those records um but around the time we did it it was very divisive because uh i think maybe people felt the production was too good and we'd slow down a little bit too much for their liking. Um, you know, we were, we were still playing, we were still playing fast stuff, but it was just there was a variation going on, and there were some tunes that were very much in a medium tempo zone, and I think that was too much for some folk. And you know, we were aware that that would happen. It just felt good for us to play that music. Um, and yeah, down the line, it was great when when that album started to achieve some kind of following and get and become rated by people that that was lovely it just took a while it wasn't a particularly popular record at the time it was released on a yeah it was the 90s that that period in the 90s there that's really when i came through so i was 18 in 1996 and that's when i really when i left a boarding school and the world started to open up to me and i found bands like yourselves and and at the gates and and i really feel like between the two of you you were the european bands that kept heavy metal in the spotlight when it went into death metal and it went into black metal and therefore underground through that period um so i guess my question for you through that did, did you notice a lot of that happening around you at the time and do, do you think that that period was uh a good time for the for the genre in general i know it's a very broad question to be asking you but i, I really do rate your playing and your impact on the on the genre so do you think that the 90s in other words did heavy metal have to go through that period in order to emerge on the other side and become the enormous commercial success it is now do you think yeah it's it's very hard to analyze something like that and i wouldn't be best placed to do so uh 
what I would say was that um, something like Heartwork was definitely not the right record for its time, just mm. by the kind of response it got. Uh, and then, yeah, as I said, later on it, it became fairly popular, and that was that was really nice for us. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the next record, I mean, the band was history by the time it, it came out, but I gather that was pretty much roundly despised. Yeah. And so that had a, an even longer incubation period where, you know, eventually some people kind of got to grips with it. I have met people who favor that one over all of our records. Um, mm. In the broader sense, I don't know. I mean, once we'd broken up, metal just seemed to be become bigger than ever. So by the time we'd reformed, uh, the what, for want of a better term, the, the scene was so different. I just didn't recognize many elements of it. It, it was just there was a, there was just a huge business business framework around the whole thing that hadn't been there before. Um, so yeah, you could say, yeah. and you know, all things must pass. You know, the change is inevitable, and it was kind of like there was some really good sides to it too. Um, it just took a while for me to get used to it because I'd been out of the loop. You know, I've been playing you know, different music in different places. And I wasn't used to doing huge festivals to massive metal audiences at that stage. Yes, yeah. When, when, what brought you to Australia? Cause, and how long did you live down here for? Well, I mean, needless to say, it was a relationship. And uh, I think the longest stretch I stayed there uninterrupted was uh, probably like seven months or something. Oh, right. Okay, gotcha. Were, uh, you, were you in Sydney or Melbourne? or? Yeah, Sydney. It was um, Tamarama Beach. Um, you know, in, fantastic. Like, yeah, it was it was fantastic around there. Really, really nice. Um, and I mean, I had been to Australia, you know, several times before that. But staying for that length of time, you really start to get the essence of of the lifestyle and you know the way people are. And yeah, I mean, I, I was very taken with it. Obviously, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, do you come back very often, even even for holidays, that sort of thing? No, I mean. Um, since then, it's really been a case of when the band goes there. So, yeah. I mean, we all look forward to it tremendously. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, we like to travel full stop, obviously, but Australia is one of the big ones for us. Yeah, sweet, yeah. Well, you, you know, these shows with Dark Download, and I know that's the main draw that you're coming down, but I've actually heard instances of people from Sydney and Melbourne not wanting to go to Download and actually coming up here to Brisbane to actually want to see you guys by yourselves. That's that's how powerful you are. That's the draw that you are these days. So, I guess the question for you after that is, I mean, with the set list that you could put together, how do you pick songs? Because there's a hell of a lot of classic cuts that people want to hear. Well, it's tricky because, you know, sometimes you're given 45 minutes, sometimes it's an hour. Mm. Um, obviously, if it's a headline thing, it could be more than that. But um, yeah, there's plenty of debates that goes on between the members of the band. Um, there are certain songs that we more or less have to play. And then there's a little bit of room for, you know, changing things up, but we try and represent each of the albums we've done. You know, yeah. some albums are, are going to, you know, some, some records, there's going to be more songs from that particular record for various reasons because we prefer it or because it's a more popular record, whatever it might be. Um, but, yeah, just this week we've been practicing for the first time in ages, and we, yeah. we just really wanted to change the setup. Um, 
for us first and foremost, but also for the audience. So, you know, it doesn't too closely resemble what we've been playing the last few years. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Hey, I remember talking to Ralph Santola, the late, great Ralph Santola, a few years back, and he told me, and this is about as high praise as I think you can get for because I rate Ralph's, Ralph's guitar playing so highly, but he told me that he remembers standing side of stage watching you play, and you were the most charismatic guitarist that he'd ever seen. So do, do you get a lot of feedback from your peers along that line? No, I mean, goodness, that, that's, that's a massive compliment from him. I'm, I'm really shocked to hear it, to be honest. Yeah. It was wow. a beautiful thing to say, man. He meant it too. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. That's fabulous. Goodness, that's really shocked me. Um, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing is rare. I, you know, I, I don't hear it very often. Let's be, let's be honest. So yeah. I mean, that's super cool. Yeah. Was that um, a? Did you tour with? Uh, it must have been in death. I think at the time that must have been about ninety one or ninety two. I suppose was it when you guys toured together? Yeah. Um, that would be the, the the first time we met him. Definitely. Um, he was quite new to death at the time, but then we went on to do loads of more festivals with him, you know, because obviously he's been out there playing with, you know, the obituaries. So, um, yeah, in recent years, that that's when we tended to cross paths, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he was always very complimentary to us and, you know, we loved seeing him because, you know, you know, he's just like an old friend from the past and, you know, a lot of fun to hang out with really yeah sweet yeah yeah it was it was a i remember talking to one of his best mates in um beyond street of course from soil work and night flight orchestra the night before he passed it was just the coincidence but um that we ended up having a chat together but he was a bit more in the loop and i've, I've had a chat to bill hudson who was his other good mate very good mate as well who was with him when yeah. he passed away as well it's very sad that whole situation there and i was actually i was actually the beginning of a discussion with him about bringing him out to Australia for some uh, for some clinics and sh yeah. show and goes and this sort of thing. I'd still love to do that sort of stuff, but uh, he was mm. going to be my first. But unfortunately, that uh, it sort of didn't happen. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've still got that wonderful body of work that he played on uh, to listen to and to remember him by. But it's always such a shame when when I say this, you know, as a, as a heavy metal fan, one of our own uh, falls. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah, it's very sad. What's uh, what new bands do you enjoy? Do you enjoy any of the the new music that's out there? Um, yeah, I'm quite slow on this stuff. In all honesty, um, I mean, I'm a rabid music fan, and I buy albums all the time, but they wouldn't tend to be new releases. If you know what I mean, they're albums yep. that are new to me, but but they tend to be from the past. Um. People like Dan and Jeff in the band, and Tom, our, our, our guitar player now, hmm. um, they're a lot better at um, keeping up with what's going on. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, over, over recent years, bands I've seen that um, have impressed me. I mean, there's, there's quite a few, but um, whether they be considered new, I don't know. I mean, they're certainly newer than we are. <laughs> it's I mean, a bit like that these days, isn't it? <laughs> you know, but uh, I mean, that could cover a lot of ground from, you know, a, I don't know, uh, a municipal waste to a necrot to a, mm -hmm. a power trip to a lost society. Uh, yeah, ghouls, uh, fantastic life bands. I mean, yeah, there's tons really. Um, but yeah, it's more, I mean, for me, that stuff is more of a live thing. At home, I'm more inclined to listen to, to older music. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you actually on that one there. I get a ton of new music and I certainly like most, uh, the vast majority of it when it's through a label like Nuclear Blast or Metal Blade or what have you is, is outstanding. It is, but mm. um, I tend to find that, uh, that I, I, what was the recent one I got was uh, Beach Boys Pet Sounds on vinyl. And I, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, my God. I, I, I hadn't discovered that album's genius until recently, but I'm, I'm almost. Um, listening to it not non-stop but you know whenever i've got some downtime and the kids are asleep or they're yet to get up in the mornings or what have you on weekends i tend to put that one there on and yeah you sort of realize that some people especially these great genre originators um they uh they were in touch with something else quite unique yeah yeah it's very much a time and a place i mean you know i mean there are countless great artists and bands now and in the past but uh very few are position just right to have that kind of impact the, the impact you're talking about with the beach boys or a hendrix or the beatles or an Elvis or whoever yeah indeed yeah all right mate i think that's my time but look it's it's been uh it's, it's a real thrill to finally talk to you, you've got to say you can tell i'm an old fan um and uh i just I, lo- I love listening to your guitar playing you're really one of the first guys that i heard you know making death metal sound really listenable and really melodic but still maintaining that real plutonium heaviness that your playing has got and uh yeah thanks very much for the conversation and live long and prosper (laughs) well thank you man i appreciate that no worries brother all right thanks very much again all right cheers see you soon gotcha bye you've been listening to the scars and guitars podcast series that syndicates for the a-list online that means my name is andrew mckay smith that interview subject was the one and only bill steer from Carcass. Thanks for listening.